Welcome to podcast episode 21, Time Flies When You're Having Fun. We're certainly going to have fun today because we have somebody who really has made an impact in world football. Not only did he lead his national team to the uh, 2010 FIFA World Cup final, honestly, I can't even imagine what that's like, but that is really an incredible achievement. But he also managed to lead a club to European Cup success in 2002 with Feyenoord and he was the Netherlands national coach as well as having coached the United Arab Emirates team, the Australia team and and other teams too but he also had a successful career himself as a footballer. So good afternoon Bert van Marwijk. Good afternoon. How are you? How is the corona situation in Holland at the moment? I guess you're back in Holland right now right? Yeah yeah all the time. I'm all the time I was in Holland too. So I'm uh, always, almost, uh, I think, nine months. Most of the time I'm at home. And how the situation in Holland is, you know, the Dutch think they know everything the best. But uh, the situation here is, uh, is similar with a, a lot of countries around us. There's still uh, Corona and um, there are a lot of things uh, close and uh, theatres and um, uh, cinemas, so um, it's, it's the same situation as in a lot of other countries. Absolutely right, it's quite a sad situation in some ways as well, as it also impacts football as well. Um, we heard uh, recently that uh, they're going to allow 4,000 spectators from, uh, from within two weeks in English game again. Do you have any spectators in Holland at the games? No, we had. Normally, they. Um, they, uh, there was a uh, for maybe um, yeah three four weeks ago. They allowed some people in the stadium. I think twenty percent. And um, but now it's um, it's uh, nobody is allowed to come in the stadium. Absolutely, it's a sad situation and one that the clubs have to fight with uh, financially. Right. Right. Um, just very briefly, before we talk on your illustrious career, and obviously the focus is on your time with Borussia Dortmund, we've never had a, a coach of Borussia Dortmund on, on the line before, so it's really uh, really cool to talk with you, and I hope that you can um, share some of your personal experiences of what it's like to be a coach in uh, at the Westfalenstadion. But very briefly, uh, I just wanted to say that you yourself were a cup winner in uh, 1978. You won the Dutch Cup with Alkmaar. That must have also been a pretty great experience, no? Yeah, yeah. I was uh, I was born in the east of Holland, David. And, uh, my career started with um, the club I ever dreamed of. That was Go Ahead. And, um, go Ahead Eagles, yeah. Go Ahead Eagles, yeah. At that time, it was uh, only Go Ahead. And um, at the time I was, I made my debut in, when I was 17. And that time, uh, Go Ahead played always the first five in the highest division in Holland. And then uh, as I came into the first team, they had an English coach, Barry Hughes. Oh, okay. And, and Barry Hughes, he changed the colors of the club and he changed the name. So. He, we had uh, uh, red and yellow colors, and he changed it in uh, purple. And um, 
And he changed the name from Go Ahead in Go Ahead Eagles. Okay. But I played my whole life there. And when I was 23, I made a transfer to uh, AZ Alkmaar. And uh, that's there I played for three years. And um, in 1978, we won the, the, the Cup, the, the Dutch Cup, yes. Is it something close to your heart, that that memory of winning the Cup? I mean, going up onto the podium and receiving the Cup like that? I can remember that, yes, because we won 1-0 uh, and I was a left-wing player and I gave the assist uh, for the 1-0. Uh, it was a game against uh, Ajax Amsterdam. And uh, so, yeah, uh, those things you you don't forget. Indeed, and we interviewed Andre Begdolmo, who was very successful with Ajax, winning the Super Cup, the Cup, and also the Championship recently. And uh, Ajax is certainly a a very admirable club. And before we talk on Borussia Dortmund, could I just really ask about the World Cup 2010 with Holland in South Africa? Surely that must be the highlight of your career, isn't it? Yeah, that's one of the highlights because um, for me, of course, when you play the World Cup, it's the highest you can achieve as a player and as a coach. And we played the final and it was 0-0 and then the extra time for the extra 30 minutes. After 27 minutes in the extra time, Spain scored um, uh, the 1-0. And uh, just before we get the biggest chance, um, Maybe you saw already the the images of the chance from uh, Iron Robin. Yeah, uh, the, the toe of Casillas. Uh, when uh, when the toe of Casillas was not there, we were World Cup, World Cup winner. Absolutely. So uh, that was it. That also, that, but also the the, the win of, of the uh, UEFA Cup in uh, at that time they called the UEFA Cup in uh, 2002 is also a highlight for me. But also. Um, I was also a coach of a few amateur clubs in, uh, in, in, in the re- region where I live. And um, that, there I had also a few very good times. And uh, uh, we were champion. And um, I, I, for me, it's a little bit the same. And I know that you cannot compare that uh, because the World Cup is big, much bigger. The, the, the biggest thing, but uh, also um, my period uh, at the amateur clubs uh, and what we won, and um, I, I can remember. Uh, for me, it's, it's, it has the same same feeling. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Andrew Bergdolmo was saying that he's the under 19s coach um, in uh, in Norway uh, with Sarpsborg 08, and he was saying the one thing he really misses is that thing of getting up on the Saturday morning and getting ready and, you know, coming out onto the pitch and so on. And many of the players I've interviewed have often said that, honestly, they would have played for free, just the chance to be a professional footballer. Yeah, I have the same feeling. Um, when I was, uh, I also told you, I was 17, I made my debut uh, as a professional footballer at Go Ahead, Go Ahead Eagles. But um, um, there in the business lounge, there's, you can read something on the wall. And I didn't even know that I did it, but it's, it was something I said before, uh, that when I was a young guy, 
uh, I dreamed of playing for Go Red Eagles. And um, um, the, the, the city I lived, there was a, a river between. And I lived on the other side of the river. And uh, the only thing I, I dreamed of was playing on the other side of the river at, at Go Red Eagles. And uh, then automatically, when you play there, you are a professional football player. But I never thought of professional. I, I played everyday football from morning till the evening. And, uh, and I wanted to play for Go Ahead. So um, I never thought of the money. And after that, as a player and as a coach, I never thought one second uh, during a game of, uh, of money. Absolutely right. And uh, and I have to say that um, I, I've certainly always enjoyed playing amateur football. And, you know, I, it's it's a special unity between players and, and, and team and, and a special experience. So just for the record, you, you, you mentioned the amateur team. I think it's SV Merson uh, was one of the teams you coached. Yeah. That's the, that's the team and the, uh, and the village I live. Um, and uh, but the team before was RKVCL from Maastricht, oh. and uh, there we uh, we managed to uh, become uh, already champion in the first uh, first uh, season. Outstanding, outstanding. When you were coaching in the on the amateur level after your career, in your career you had four hundred and sixty eight professional appearances, including seventeen in Belgian in the Belgian league. Uh, and scored an impressive 72 goals. Did you ever imagine one day that you would be the coach of Holland's national team? Never, never know. I'm a player from everybody who knows me. They never thought that, um, nobody saw a coach in me uh, during my uh, career as 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 a football player. And I can understand that because I was... When I was young, uh, I had very long hair and um, I was uh, a little bit a rebel. Uh, and um, I only want to have the ball and make my actions. And I want to score goals and crosses. And, um, and the rest didn't interest me. I want to play football. And then when I was a little bit older, 26, 27, uh, I came to play in the midfield and then I saw more everything around me what was going wrong and then you start to see it and you start to coach it and then when after uh, when I was at 31 um, at 32 um, I started to play as a, at, at that time they call it the libero that, that was maybe the time uh, coaching me was born because that was also the moment I started really coaching and um, and uh, because then you see everything in front of you and you you cannot see a lot of things are going wrong and you try to correct that so uh, yeah um, but at that moment I didn't still think about being a coach uh, a, a friend of mine, Billy um, really, really from Bommel, that time, he was a, a, a very good right-wing player. Uh, we lived in the same street, and um, um, then the, the, the manager came to us and asked us if he wanted to coach 
the youth of uh, MVV. That's what I played that time. And uh, so we looked yeah. to each other and we never thought about it. And then we said, okay, why not? Uh, come on, we start tra training. But uh, we didn't know what to do. So we we start playing games with the with the uh, with the boys and, uh, and 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 shooting on the goal, and then slowly, slowly, um, yeah, I started to become a coach. Outstanding, outstanding. Right, you achieved the third place in two thousand and two in the in the with Feyenoord, and then you went on to UEFA Cup final, an incredible achievement. And the most amazing thing was it was going to be in the Rotterdam in your home stadium. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Yes, we were in the in the Champions League that time, and uh, we were in the in the group with uh, with Bayern Munich, and uh, I think uh, Spartak Moscow at the time. Uh, and we uh, the, the the fourth team I don't remember, and um, so when you were uh, the first two, it's the same as now. So you go on in the Champions League, but uh, we have to be third. And we, at the end, we last game, we uh, achieved the third place. So we started to play the um, uh, UEFA, and um, yeah, that was a very there were un unbelievable uh, games were there. And, uh, uh, we started to play, I think, against Freiburg, and uh, we won at home with one zero, and then. Um, in Freiburg, um, we, we Freiburg scored one zero, and then they scored two zero. So then we were out, and but we managed to score the two one and even the two two. So we get to the next round, and then we get teams like um, it was at that time it was a, a, a European top club, uh, uh, Glasgow Rangers. And um, and we played against uh, Inter Milan. And uh, we played against at that time PSV Eindhoven was also a big club. And um, yes, and then then uh, we played uh, the final against uh, Borussia Dortmund. Amazing games, and that the uh, the, the game against uh, PSV was also unbelievable because that that time my son-in-law Mark van Bommel he was playing in Eindhoven. And we played in Eindhoven 1-1, and then in, in Rotterdam, it was also 1-1, and then we had extra time, and it stayed 1-1, and then we had penalty kicks, and we won 5-4. And uh, so that was a very, very nice game. And then, yes, then, then we played the final against Dortmund, and uh, I can remember uh, the, the team from Dortmund, the players, uh, uh, Christian Werns, uh, Day Day, uh, Everton, Evan Nilsson, um, players, uh, Jan Koller, uh, Thomas Rosicki. And um, yeah, I, um, we, 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 we lead 2-0 uh, uh, and then uh, they made 2-1 and then uh, Jürgen Koller was sent out off from Dortmund and then we managed to score the 3-1. And then I thought, now it's 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 over. And they were with ten. And then Jan Koller scored an unbelievable goal, uh, three two. Yeah, that so the last uh, 10, 15 minutes were unbelievable. Uh, and it was not our best game, but um, yeah, we won. So it was, yeah.
something never to forget. You must have had absolutely unbelievable support. Uh, almost, I mean, uh, Dortmund is famous for the yellow wall and the incredible fans, but uh, I imagine in Rotterdam the tickets must have been really hard to get. And it's worth remembering that uh, your team was a pretty impressive team with uh, guys like Pierre van Hooydonk, who played with Nottingham Forest in England, Robin van Persie, John Dahl Thomason. You know, pretty impressive team you certainly had there. And uh, and it, it was, as you say, I mean, uh, a, a very big challenge uh, to take Dortmund down. And I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was uh, Jürgen Kohler who got sent off. Uh, I remember yeah, it's a, a big question that gets asked always in the BVB quizzes that the Hohnachricht newspaper does. Now time for a short announcement. If you love Borussia Dortmund and you're based in the London area... Why not come down to the Stammtisch and meet us and have a few Dortmunder Union beers and watch um, the BVB together? You can find details of the bar, which is in Cleveland Street off Oxford Street, London, on our Facebook page, which is Borussia Dortmund Fan Club London. Or for any other information on the fan club, why not go to borussiadortmundlondon.co.uk. And now, for the rest of the show. My team is actually Aston Villa, but... Maybe you know okay. them from '82 when they beat Bayern. I was I was um, uh, a few days when I was 25, 25. I was a few days in London uh, at West Ham. Uh, I could sign that time a contract in, in West Ham, and I played a friendly game with Trevor Brookin and Alan Davidshire and Billy Bonds. Billy Bonds. Uh, we played a game against Colchester, a friendly game. And then uh, I had uh, an, um, a discussion uh, uh, with um, John Lyle. He was the, the, the manager at that time. And, uh, and the next day, my wife and I, we were looking for houses in London. Sensational. And then it was a, a raining and raining and raining. And uh, we had two little daughters, two and four years old. And then uh, uh, we decided not to go. And um, when I, I, I don't regret, regret everything I did, uh, but that's one of the things that when I could have the chance now, I think uh, I would have to, to take the decision to, to go and play for West Ham. Absolutely, at the old Upton Park. And I guess I should say hi to our member, Chris Ludlow, who's a big West Ham fan, uh, while, while, we're, while we're talking about that subject. So do you still have a bit of a soft spot for the Premier League and English football and maybe the Hammers, the West Ham team? Yeah, I always, uh, I always watch on television uh, uh, a few games. Uh, last year, I was in, in uh, England. With uh, with Mark, my son-in-law, and my um, two uh, grandsons, um, and we were with four, and uh, we were in uh, Liverpool. We saw the, the uh, game uh, Liverpool uh, Wolverhampton, and next day we had a we were visiting uh, Everton, and had uh, have a conversation with uh, um, the manager there, the Dutch guy Marcel Gans, and we also talked to uh, Ancelotti. It was it was also very nice. So and, and and here in Holland, I follow the, the Premier League on television. Tell us, Bert, about your first season with Borussia Dortmund. Season zero four zero five. 
How were things when you got there? How did it work out for you? That was amazing because I started there and um, I think maybe after two, three months, maybe four, suddenly uh, there was panic in the club because yeah. they had a debt of uh, is that correct what i say debt of, of uh, i yeah. think 130 million euros that's right uh, everybody was down even the journalists and uh, it was a very unsure and uh, so there was no money uh, so we couldn't afford to to, to get new players and um, so that was a completely new situation for me. But then uh, we really started to become a, a team. And, um, and then we didn't have best players. But at the end, um, we, 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 were so, we were so focused uh, as a team. And I also... I, I never spoke to the players about the problems, and uh, so we we become so tight as a team, and um, and then I think in the second half in the, in the German Rückrunde, um, uh, we we played the best uh, second half of the season ever at that at that time uh, with with that team uh, without no money. So um, I, will, I would never forget that. And I think at the end we managed to become, we were sixth or seventh, and, uh, I don't know anymore exactly, but um, it was a, a, a very difficult season, no money, but it was a season never to forget. Yeah, it, it wasn't the first time. In the 1970s there had been a similar time, and even I remember quite well myself in about 1984, 85, my first season was 82-83 as a child, and uh, I remember very well the financial problems of the club. So much as we see Schalke, the, the club of formerly of Hoop Stevens, who was doing a really good job and has been back to Schalke many times to save the club, I feel that, uh, that you saved Borussia Dortmund in that situation. And uh, so we should always be grateful to you for your achievements there, Bert. Uh, so yeah, thank you for your for, for keeping the club going at that time. You know, the, um, one in, once in the two months, I always go to Dortmund and um, I watch a game then, and then uh, I have dinner with Michael Meyer, uh, and um, and also sometimes uh, Gerd Niebaum is also there, so we are with two or with three. Um, and then when I um, when I speak to the fans there, they 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 always thanks thank me and say you saved us. So I I couldn't really understand what that meant, but it's what you say now that what that's 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 okay. That's uh, the same uh, feeling I have and. Uh, uh, so yeah, it's for me also very nice to come back there. When I started somewhere and I know which players I have and uh, if I uh, don't, for example, I don't have a good goalkeeper or I don't have a good striker, then I ask one time, uh, in this case, Meyer or Nibam, 
And I said, can we afford a new striker? And when they say no, then I started to, to train and uh, to create my own good striker uh, with the players I have and to find uh, um, uh, a solution uh, to let the team play uh, in spite of not, not can, that we cannot afford to, play, uh, to uh, buy new players. But what I can remember that time, I, uh, I, uh, I found myself with a few players, and um, that was um, uh, A.B. Smolarek, for example. And uh, uh, so A.B. we got, we could, uh, A.B. we got A.B. from final Rotterdam. And um, yes, uh, we, there was no money, so uh, we, we could get him almost for nothing. And uh, but he had a very good time in uh, in in, uh, in Dortmund. But other players I couldn't afford. That's why I started to to um, uh, to uh, how, how do you call it? To I started to to watch uh, young players. I started to watch the youth, and then I invited um, uh, every Tuesday four, five, six uh, young players. And uh, one of the players that time was Nuri Sahin. Uh, I, 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 uh, he started to train with me uh, on a Tuesday morning. I did it, and uh, they trained with um, the young players of the of the of the first team. And um, yeah, and he was old. He was 15 years old as he started training, and then. Uh, I let him make his debut uh, when he was 16. But first, I talked to himself and his parents uh, and to the doctor uh, because of his physical skills. And um, I can remember he made his debut, I think, in the away game in Wolfsburg. And then he was uh, 16 years. And now I, 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 I saw that the, the new revelation of Dortmund, Mukoku, he is now the, the youngest player ever in the Bundesliga. He's also 16, but uh, 16 in a few days. Um, but yeah, at that time I, I started to, uh, yeah, to, to give the, the very young players a chance. And another player which uh, certainly played a big role in your first season was uh, one of the great players to have played for Arsenal Football Club in the Premier League. Tommy Rosicki. Yeah, very good remember the memories of, of him. Um, uh, he's, a, he's, a very, he's a great, great player and uh, a great guy. Uh, and uh, I saw him afterwards uh, uh, a few times. And um, uh, also in the time he played at, uh, at Arsenal. And um, I had at that time very good contact with him. He was a very, in my opinion, very, very good, talented player. And, uh, yeah, I have very good uh, memories uh, of, uh, of uh, Thomas, yes. Before we come to the 0506 uh, season, which was your last season with Borussia Dortmund, I thank you so much for sharing so generously, not only about your playing career, but also about your career uh, managing the Dutch national team and Feyenoord as well. And I wanted to ask you two questions, if I may. One is, what is the actual touchline experience like for a coach? 
Are you really able to influence the game a lot from the touchline? Do you have to shout or do you signal or do you talk to your captain? How do you actually influence the game? And also, uh, in my opinion, selling uh, Frings, Thorsten Frings to Bayern uh, must have been one of the toughest uh, transfers that you had to accept at Borussia Dortmund. Am I wrong or was there was there anything worse than that? He's a very nice guy, Thorsten. Uh, I met him a few times after that, and he's a very good friend of my son-in-law. What's I the think experience? from the side, you don't have a lot of influence anymore. The best, most influence you must have before the game, on trainings. And from the side, you see on the side all kinds of different types. You have coaches who jump. 90 minutes um, uh, and from the, for the dugout and, and um, they are shouting the, the whole game. Um, my experience as a player, when we had a coach like that, you don't even look anymore, uh, so you, you, you will not listen anymore. Um, uh, but it's also not good, a coach who doesn't say anything. Um, the, for me, the best is that you make very good appointments before the game. Uh, the, the, the team has exactly to know what to do in several situations. And if the thing to reach the players is only to remember them what you, which appointments you made before. So if I uh, uh, come out of the gout, and I shout to one player, uh, only the, 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 the look must give him enough information. Then he must know what I mean. Because if you also have to, have to explain from the side a lot of things in a full stadium, that's not possible. Uh, um, so um, the, the, the coach moments are the moments that you remember the players, the appointments you made before. And that has to be very, very, very clear. And I also like coaches when uh, when a team needs a little bit support. That if you do it ninety minutes, then it's no support anymore. Then nobody looks. But uh, if you if you s s sit ninety minutes on the in the dugout, then you don't support them. The moment you come out and you show a little bit of emotion, not too much. That must give a little bit of mental support to the, to the players. That's an absolutely fantastic and incredible insight. And uh, I can imagine that the team talk in half-time must also be a very big highlight, right? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that, that's just in, in the team talk at the, at the half-time. Then you talk about what you uh, spoke about before the game and uh, what they forgot, what they did, that they did well. At, at this moment, uh, in my time in Dortmund, it was it was not uh, at that time that was nothing. But now they can show you images during uh, halftime in the dressing room, and you can you can show them exactly what what went wrong. And uh, so the, the technique has improved uh, uh, much and will also help the coaches. But there are too many coaches who um, only talk about um, uh, images with the players. I, I don't speak now about a game, uh, during the game, but 
during the week and uh, after trainings or before trainings. And um, the work from a coach on the pitch is the most important part. That was a hundred years ago and it still is, I think. Um, I always say uh, I have I had a very, very good time in Dortmund. I will never forget that. For me, it was, was one of the nicest parts of my uh, whole uh, uh, career. And what I said, uh, I, I, I come back in Dortmund uh, a lot of times and I will still come there uh, in the future. Bert, um, what, what do you see now when you look at players like uh, Jaden Sancho, Jude Bellingham and so on? I just want to ask you about the current team and what your expectations are. Uh, you mentioned uh, your son-in-law, Mark Van Bommel, so I guess there's quite a lot of interest in Bayern and, and they really are sweeping European football. But what do you expect from Borussia Dortmund in the next couple of years from this young generation? How good are guys like Jude Bellingham and uh, Jaden Sancho? And, and uh... I'm jealous when I see uh, uh, the squad of Dortmund. It's unbelievable how many good young players they have. Um, but especially uh, um, uh, offensive players. All the talent of Dortmund uh, are offensive players. But they are for a very, very high level. Uh, you, you have the, the best striker maybe at the moment uh, is in Dortmund, Haaland. And you have the, the best future uh, striker in Dortmund, uh, Mukoku. And then you have uh, Jaden Sancho and you have Reina and you have uh, a few other uh, young players. Um, they, they must, uh, I think, um, watch for the... The, the, the defending players eh, to to find a few talented young players for for the for the def, uh, the, the defense part of the team, but I think the future of Dortmund is is very good, very very uh, exciting, uh, and and they are they are playing also very uh, exciting football. I think. Bert, we are looking forward to hearing news from you about your future and uh, we will always remain grateful to you for your uh, achievements in 0405 at Borussia Dortmund. Thank you so much. It's been really a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you and good luck with your podcast. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.